Good afternoon and welcome to your DIY Health Radio here on the Spreaker Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, and I did get back in time from my retirees breakfast <laughs> so we are live and this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional assuming you can find one i search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself the body wants to fix itself the body knows how to fix itself it has a god-given innate ability to do so the only thing it's missing is the raw materials when you put those back into the mix stand back and wait to be amazed because your body is going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the iTeraCare device, which is featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And there's all kinds of information about that. There's downloadable flyers and brochures. There's a link to a YouTube playlist that has over 100 videos there talking about the technology, how it's used, and testimonials from people all over the world who've had life-changing results using these little things. And I encourage you to check those out. Also, while you're on the site, be sure and hit the radio show tab. And at the top of the page is a link to the archive page through uh, castbox.fm. And there's over a thousand shows there that are shareable via email and social media, which we encourage you to do. And then if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do when they're on and how you listen. And uh, the the primary way to get there now is through Spreaker, because all the shows are either simulcast or primarily broadcasted there. Over 150 shows, I think, since uh, we started using that system back in September. And uh, the nice thing about the archives there is they're downloadable, which is really cool. And uh, have fun with that stuff. And if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. And uh, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say on the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own due, uh, due diligence and research to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That being said, I want to uh, let you know we've been waiting and trying to do this for quite some time. It was all my fault. I kept dropping the ball and forgetting to make the contacts. But uh, we've been wanting to have Dr. Joanne Conaway on with us for quite some time and finally got around to it. And I finally remembered. And uh, she's been uh, gracious enough to share some of her very uh, uh, busy time with us. And uh, we've got her for the whole two hours today. So we're going to be talking uh, primarily about gut health and wherever else uh, she wants to go. Uh, but uh, just remember, during the first hour, or at least until uh, Dr. Conaway gets everything done that she wants to say, uh, kindly stay muted and just listen. And then if you have questions, just write them down. And then at the uh, top of the hour, uh, the second hour, we will go ahead and open up the phones for questions and answers and all that kind of stuff. So we got a good crowd starting in here, and it's looking good. So I just want to welcome Dr. Conaway. And by the way, her contact information is posted in the chat room. So anybody that wants to arrange a private consult or whatever, just go there, click on the link, and uh, follow the directions. So Dr. Conaway, welcome to the show. How are you today? Well, I'm very well today. Thank you, Jim. I'm thrilled to be here. It's so exciting to be on with your listeners and sharing the information about the gut and about gut health. So 
Where do you want me to start? Well, I just want to say uh, sounding a whole lot better now. It's very clear. So whatever you did, keep doing it. <laughs> um, well, first off, why don't you uh, rather, I'm, I, I would forget things. So why don't you go ahead and give people a little bit of breakdown about your history? Um, how long you've okay. been working with Dr. Wallach and, uh, you know, the, how you got involved primarily with gut health and that kind of thing. And then we'll go from there. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. First of all, I am Dr. Joanne Conaway. I was not always a doctor. I started out as a nurse. I actually practiced nursing for a little over 40 years. And the thing that makes my nursing background a little different from many is I spent several years doing specialized nutritional support. This was back in the late 1970s, early 80s, when we first realized we could keep people alive who could no longer eat by mouth. And so during that time, we knew everyone needed carbohydrates and proteins. We quickly learned that people also needed essential fatty acids. We had to come up with essential fatty acid formulations that could be given intravenously and not cause embolism. But more specifically to Dr. Wallach's message, we also started to learn that the body had a tremendous need for minerals and trace minerals. Literally things like selenium and molybdenum, manganese, boron, things that we talk about all the time now, these were elements that we were familiar with because we saw them on the periodic table in the classroom, but to actually recognize that the body had a need for these things, that was something that we did not know, we did not realize. And so during that time, again, late 1970s, early 80s, we were coming up with formulations and recognizing the maladies in these patients who could no longer eat by mouth, relating them to specific mineral deficiencies. And so we started to put these trace minerals into the formula. So fast forward several years, I, I went into the Air Force, became a flight nurse, did all kinds of things. And it was in the mid-1990s, I got a copy of Dr. Wallace's cassette tape, Dead Doctors Don't Lie. And so my husband said, you know, will you just listen to this for me? I'd like to get your take. And of course I listened and I was like amazed, mostly because everything he said was right on from my perspective. All of the things he talked about in terms of the nutritional deficiency diseases caused by mineral deficiencies were things that I was familiar with. And I decided that I was going to jump on board and start taking the products. So I did. And we were into this about six or eight months. And my husband said to me one day, are you seeing any really big difference? And I said, no, I'm really not. But you know what? I know his message is right on. I'm not going to stop taking this product. So about a week after that, interestingly enough, my husband got an email talking about Dr. Wallach's own 100% plant-derived colloidal minerals. And he said, well, this is interesting. Will you look look into this for me because I thought we were taking Dr. Wallach's minerals. So I did look into it and found out that in fact, we were taking an inferior product. We were taking a product provided by a company who had pirated Dr. Wallach's tape and they were using Dr. Wallach's tape to sell their products. It was not Dr. Wallach's product. So learning that we immediately switched over to Dr. Wallach's product, began using his product and within just a few weeks, started to see some amazing differences and amazing changes. So because of that, I became involved. I became involved back in January of 1999 and have worked very closely with Doc since that time. I 
as I got more interested in the all natural approach to health and wellness, understanding doc, working with people, seeing tremendous changes in people's health based on the understanding of good diet and good supplements, I became very conflicted in the medical world. I found myself struggling. I felt like a hypocrite. I was telling patients what they needed to do based on what the doctor told me that I had to tell them that they needed to do. And it wasn't matching up with what I felt was best. So I retired from nursing early, went back to school and became a naturopathic physician. Prior to that time, though, I had started to study the gut and I had started to study the gut because my son, who's now almost 30, when he was two, he developed a horrible ear infection and strep throat. And it took three rounds of antibiotics to actually kill the organism. And during the third course of antibiotics, he became very sick with diarrhea, very dehydrated. I knew it was because we were knocking out the good stuff in his gut. And so at the time, with my minimal knowledge, I went to the pharmacy, got him some lactobacillus acidophilus, and gave him lactobacillus acidophilus within 24 hours. His diarrhea had stopped within a couple of days. He seemed to be good. However, subsequent to that, he developed a horrible eczema. And I'm not talking about a mild case of eczema. I'm talking about eczema down his back, behind his knees, in the bends of his arms, under his arms, in his scalp. He had horrible eczema. And so not knowing and understanding, as I say, I would take him to the pediatrician. The only answer that they had was to put him on steroids. I was smart enough to know that steroid medications would knock out the function of his adrenal glands. I knew his immune system wasn't healthy. I wasn't going to risk making him even more unhealthy. So for literally eight years, we looked for an answer. Now, looking back on it, I can tell you that if he consumed gluten, he would have a flare, meaning the eczema would become much worse. So not recognizing how detrimental gluten was at the time, it I was smart enough to say we need to get him off gluten. So he ate rice bread and things like that. Very rarely did he ever eat gluten. He also had a lactose intolerance. And we could tell if he consumed lactose in any way, if he had milk or ice cream or cheese, he would have a flare. We knew his eczema got worse because of the lactose intolerance. And so he, he didn't eat much in terms of dairy either. So one day I sat down with Dr. Wallach and another naturopathic friend of ours and shared with them his story. And the other naturopath who was with us started to question me in terms of antibiotics. Had he ever been on antibiotics? Now we're talking about a child who was on antibiotics at the age of two, and now he is 10 years old. So that's quite a distance between the time he was taking the antibiotics and the problem he was having. So he asked if he had ever been on antibiotics. I shared the story. I told him exactly what had gone on. I told him I had done lactobacillus and his comeback to me was, well, you only took care of part of the problem. Lactobacillus is a single strain of probiotic and there are a whole lot more probiotics, a whole lot more good bacteria that are necessary 
to make sure that the gut is functioning well. So his recommendation was get him off all wheat and all dairy. And like I said, he was pretty limited in both of those areas already. But I, I went back and I sat down. Now I'm talking to a 10-year-old, okay? And so I sat down and I said to him, I said, okay, this is the deal. No gluten. That means no bread, no pasta, no cakes, pies, cookies, none of that. And no dairy. And he looks at me and says, yeah, and what am I going to eat? I said, you know, we're going to work on this for a couple of weeks. And if at the end of two weeks we haven't seen significant changes, we'll go back to looking for the answer. But again, this is a child who had suffered with this for eight years. So he was on board with stopping all wheat, stopping all dairy for a period of two weeks. Let's see what happens. In addition, I gave him probiotics. And the way I tell the story, and I still look back on this and think about how amazing it actually was, because he was on the probiotics and digestive enzymes. And by three days into this, his eczema that he had lived with for eight years was so improved, I couldn't believe it. By five days, the eczema he had lived with for eight years was gone. It was just gone. So I was blown away by this and started to do some extensive research. And I have since then done extensive research with respect to the gut, the gut microbiome, the balance of good bacteria, bad bacteria. When we talk about the gut microbiome, it is simply all of those critters, all of those microbes that reside in the intestinal tract. And we know that in a, in a healthy human, we have many strains of good bacteria. We have many strains of unhealthy bacteria. We have fungi, we have yeasts, we have viruses. And all of these things are actually designed to live together in the gut and not be problematic if you have enough of the good bacteria. So when I first started looking into this, we at the time, collectively we, meaning people in the medical world, still were under the misconception that perhaps it's not a good idea to have a lot of bacteria in your gut. We used to think that there were certain areas in the body that should always remain sterile. For example, urine should be sterile, blood should be sterile, meaning you shouldn't have any bacteria in urine, you shouldn't have bacteria in blood, when in fact, that's not true. We know now that there is bacteria in every part of us, on every part of us. But with respect to the gut, if you have a balance of good, healthy bacteria, that will make sure that you don't have an overgrowth of unhealthy bacteria. You don't have an overgrowth of fungus and yeast. And interestingly, when we talk about yeast, you know, people say, oh, yeah, yeast is bad. Candida is bad. Well, candida is problematic. I'm not going to say that it's bad. Candida is a part of all of us. This is one thing that I have come to learn and understand. But candida is a part of what makes our gut our healthy gut. Candida only becomes a problem if it's allowed to proliferate and overgrow. And it only is allowed to proliferate and overgrow if you don't have enough good healthy bacteria. So ample amounts of good, healthy bacteria are going to make sure 
that the fungi and the yeast and the other viruses that are there, it's perfectly acceptable for them to be there. But if you have enough good bacteria, they're not going to cause you a problem. And so, you know, through my research, some of the things that I've learned are things with respect to the importance of understanding that there is truly a condition called leaky gut, that leaky gut occurs as a result of not enough good healthy gut bacteria, ultimately causing significant inflammation and actually allowing the wall, which is one cell thick, between the gut and the bloodstream to break down. And I help people understand it by thinking of a screen. If you have a screen and the screen is in good working order, you know that only the tiniest little bugs can get through that screen. If you have a screen and it has holes in it, you know that those bigger bugs are going to find the holes. They just do. Okay. Basically, this is what's happening in a gut lining that has been broken down or weakened. You no longer have those very tight junctions, as we call it. You no longer have that screen that's well put together that only the smallest little molecules can get through. When you have a leaky gut, because of the inflammation, those tight junctions weaken and pull apart. And now larger than normal food molecules can cross and get picked up into the circulation. You know, the, the gut is designed to break down our food into the basic elements necessary to then go out into the circulation and rebuild us. For example, if you eat a steak, that steak is going to be broken down into the amino acids, which in turn then leave the digestive system, go out into the circulation and rebuild us as amino acids. The steak gets down and gets broken down into those amino acids. Then those amino acids go out and they do the job that they're supposed to do. The same with our sugars, the same with our fats. Things get broken down into very small molecules and go off and do the jobs that they need to do throughout the body. If, however, you have a leaky gut and those tight junctions are no longer functioning properly, then Again, what happens is larger than normal food molecules can leave the gut and go out into the circulation. And that candida, which is supposed to be there, doesn't stay there. It also goes out into the circulation. And this becomes especially problematic if that candida has been allowed to overgrow. So leaky gut is truly something that can happen. And the more we learn the more we recognize that there is so much in our world today that lowers the good, healthy bacteria, allowing for an overgrowth of the unhealthy bacteria, causing an inflammation, causing a leaky gut situation. So I'm going to stop right there in case you have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, it's just it's like taking a drink of water from a fire hydrant. <laughs> There's well. so much. And, you know, the thing is, is what people don't, many people don't realize, you know, the gut is referred to as the second brain. And it's also, you know, it's the fact that the all health starts and ends in the gut, really, as far as if you're if your gut's healthy, you're going to be healthy. If your gut's not healthy, you got problems, too. Isn't that correct? 
Absolutely. And I say that all the time. You know, if your gut's healthy, you're healthy. If your gut's not healthy, you're not healthy. And you're not healthy, as we now understand, you're not healthy from the immune perspective, from the cardiovascular perspective, from the endocrine perspective, from the reproductive perspective. Every system in the body is impacted by the health of the gut. Now, I'm going to throw a wrench in this plan, okay? Every oh, system in the body is impacted by the health of your gut. What I have also learned lately, I do continuing medical education for dentists and dental hygienists. And I was approached several months ago and asked to perhaps put together a course on the oral microbiome Ooh. or the mouth microbiome. And I said, sure, let me take a look. Let me see if I find some literature, you know. It's really interesting because I have focused on the gut for so many years and I've always said the gut begins in the mouth. And so it, it would be a logical conclusion to think that there would be some impact. However, I had never studied it that way. I'd never had that appreciation. And interestingly enough, when I was first getting started working on the gut, talking about the gut, we're going back again to, you know, late 1970s, early 80s when guts weren't functioning, how did we fix people? What, what could we do to help people stay healthy? And of course, people were never really healthy when their guts weren't functioning. We didn't then know that it was because we were disrupting the microbiome or the microbiome was no longer a part of them, so to speak. But that was, again, late 70s, early 80s. When we talk about the gut microbiome, there's been a lot of research done over the last 40, 50 years. When we talk about the mouth microbiome, it's following behind the gut microbiome, but it's many years behind. Hmm. And by that, I mean, we're talking maybe 15 to 20 years now. We've been really focusing, and not we, because I really didn't start focusing on this until a few months ago, but people have really been focusing on the impact of the mouth microbiome for only about 15 to 20 years. So it's not mainstream yet. People don't know about it yet. And it's been really fascinating working with all these dentists and dental hygienists and teaching them something they had no clue even existed. But when we talk about the mic mouth microbiome or the oral microbiome, it is literally all those good and bad bacteria, viruses, fungi, all of that that reside in the mouth. And it's not a closed system. We recognize that. What we also know is that we have to stop and think about the fact that our bacteria that are in our systems oftentimes come into our systems through food, water, <laughs> yes. yeah. air that we breathe. Yep. And when you start thinking about it in terms of all of that, the, the entryway is the mouth. Mm -hmm. Now, lots of fascinating things. And, you know, I, I'm going to stay on topic and not get so far off topic with the oral microbiome. But I have learned a lot of very interesting things. There, there have been several studies that have come out that have actually linked an unhealthy oral microbiome to Alzheimer's disease, an oral microbiome to cardiovascular disease. I remember when the cardiovascular issue first came into being, there was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of controversy among those who were researchers declaring the information and those that were researchers discounting the information. 
and saying that there's really no conclusive ex evidence and so forth. But now we know that that's not true, that there are certain bacteria in the mouth that do impact the cardiovascular system. There was a major study that was published, interestingly enough. And, you know, this is where as a researcher, you really need to be willing to take the time and do a deep dive because there was a study that was published and it became very mainstream in certain areas talking about a specific bacteria and how that specific bacteria in the mouth was the cause of Alzheimer's disease. Now, you know as well as I do that we've tried to find the real cause of Alzheimer's disease for as long as we've known Alzheimer's disease existed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's interesting too, because when we, when we look at Alzheimer's disease, it was first discovered back in the early 1900s, 1903, I think. Dr. Alzheimer discovered well. that there were changes in brains and he actually identified it as Alzheimer's disease. I graduated from nursing school with a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing in 1976, and I never heard about Alzheimer's in school. It wasn't something that was taught. And yet here we are now, and Alzheimer's is one of the 10 leading causes of death. How does that happen? So there are people out there every day trying to find the cause. So back to the study, I remember when it was first published thinking, hmm, that's interesting. They, they claim to ha have identified the cause of Alzheimer's disease. Now, what makes this so interesting? And again, why people have to really do a deep dive is there were art articles published in many major journals talking about the study, how important it was. And not only was this specific bacteria involved, but this specific bacteria actually created ginger pains. Ginger pains were also destroying the synapses and all of the things in the brain leading to Alzheimer's disease, only to find out that the people who were in charge of this study and funding this study were also the people who were creating a pharmaceutical that would help to decrease ginger pains. <laughs> so you can't, you can't always just read a study and say, oh, okay, so now we know. This is the conclusive evidence because in that case it was not. So now what they're saying collectively is that there are probably in fact a few bad bacteria in the mouth that could in fact lead to Alzheimer's disease, but it is not the cause. But the other interesting thing, and then we'll get back to the gut, the other interesting thing that I have learned about the oral microbiome. And of course, this, this has been important for me because I have for so many years working with doc, Dr. Wallach understood that if a person has high blood pressure or low blood pressure, we really need to focus on, again, healthy diet, healthy gut, 90 essential nutrients. And mm -hmm. also we need to focus on calcium and magnesium and recognize that calcium is necessary to kind of strengthen the vessel and strengthen the ability to pump and magnesium is necessary to relax the vessel. Mm -hmm. So calcium magnesium has always been a very big part of anything I recommend when I'm talking with someone with hypertension. And I have worked with several people with hypertension. We get them on the good food, bad food. We get them on the gut protocol. We give them 90 nutrients and extra calcium magnesium. And lo and behold, they get better. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. But Back to the mouth microbiome, what I learned in doing that research was that there are specific healthy bacteria living in the mouth 
in the crypts of the tongue, way in the back of your tongue, that are responsible for creating an enzyme which is necessary to break down any nitrates in food. Like if you're eating beets or arugula salad or something like that, these enzymes are responsible for a specific conversion of those nitrates into ultimately nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is necessary in the body to help to maintain healthy vascular system function. And what these studies have shown is that if you use antibacterial mouthwash, you kill off those bacteria and you are likely to have cardiovascular system issues, primarily high blood pressure. And in the studies, what they've shown is that people who have used antibacterial mouthwashes and had high blood pressure stopped using those antibacterial mouthwashes and their blood pressures came back down, both systolic and diastolic came back wow. down. So fascinating information. So again, you know, I am, I am driven to talk about both because I'm understanding so much the importance of the oral microbiome along with the gut microbiome. So, and again, linking to the oral microbiome, just think about it. Like I said, most of the bacteria that come into our body come in from those different ways, food, water, air. So, so much of the bacteria that comes into the system comes in through the mouth. Every time you chew and swallow, you swallow bacteria. Every time you brush your teeth, you swallow bacteria. Once you've rinsed your mouth and you take that swallow, you swallow bacteria. Is it the good bacteria or the bad bacteria? Well, in the case of the mouth, just like in the gut, there are many more strains of healthy bacteria than bad bacteria. From the dental perspective, dentists have always been taught and learned in school, you kill off the bacteria in the mouth. You don't want bacteria in the mouth. What we're learning is, oh yeah, you do. There's a lot of good healthy bacteria that they themselves actually help to keep you from getting bad breath. But you also have to think about how these bacteria get into the system. You know, you start breaking down the gingiva, you start getting weakened crevices and your gums start to bleed. If your gums are bleeding, you're already in a situation where bacteria, good or bad, are easily being picked up into the circulation. So now the studies are out there that relate the health of your mouth to every other system in the body. And there are researchers out there that say that 80 to 90% of disease throughout the body can be linked to an unhealthy mouth. So given all of that and understanding all of that and the link between the mouth and the gut, it stands to reason, in my opinion, that we need to be taking care of both. And in fact, people will say to me, well, what do you do? How do you keep, take, how do you take care of your mouth? Do you brush more often? No, you should only brush twice a day. If you brush more often, you risk tearing down the tissue, but you should also floss every day. You know, some of the statistics that I found when I was doing the research that blew me away were things like there are admittedly like two thirds of the adults in this country that claim that they've gone as many as two days without brushing their teeth. 
that just kind of blows me away. I, <laughs> <laughs> I really struggle with that. Yeah. But the, the other one was that parents admitted that with their little kids, they don't worry about it. They don't bother to brush their teeth. That also blew me away. Mm -mm. You know, as a parent, yeah, that's your responsibility. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's the way I feel about it. But anyway, it's, it's just been very fascinating. But back to the gut, again, so much of what's in the gut is bacteria that is brought into the gut from the mouth. Mm -hmm. So looking at, you know, looking at bacteria as a whole and the function of a healthy mouth or healthy gut and the way each contribute to overall health is pretty astounding, in my opinion. And there's you know, I can remember when I was first doing this many, many years ago and first starting to focus on the gut brain connection. You know, my my first book was the gut and immunity and hormones. And my next book, if I can ever get it finished, <laughs> is going to be the gut brain <laughs> connection. OK, because mm -hmm. I think that that's so critically important. But now you can go out and you can do research and you can find gut brain connection, gut kidney connection, gut um, mouth connection, gut skin connection, gut. There's been a lot of research over the course of the last 20 or so years with respect to the gut and the gut's impact on overall health. And so what I tell people is, you know, when I work with them, I start out with helping them understand the good food, bad food list, meaning those things that are in fact offending foods, mm -hmm. as I call them. And understand that your gut has to be balanced the microbiome has to be balanced your gut must be healthy in order for you to be able to absorb the healthy nutrition from any food you eat mm -hmm. and also be able to absorb the healthy nutrition from any supplements you take right so in my opinion if your gut's not working you can spend all kinds of money on supplements they may over time show improvement but so oftentimes what I find is if a person will do the protocol that I usually recommend, they find that the products that they're taking in terms of the 90 nutrients work so much better. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting. You mentioned that the gut wall is only a cell thick. So, yep. That blew me away. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's utterly amazing. And the other thing One is for far as the uh, oral situation is being you know it's an, a major entry port uh for the alimentary canal and how on mm -hmm. earth can you really do much at all to control the good versus bad coming in other than you know as far as the good food bad food stuff is are they linked to those things too or is there some other way to uh at least well, increase use, the number of good stuff coming in? I use oral probiotics. Oh, okay. Okay. There are oral probiotics, which are bacteria specifically known to be the healthy bacteria in the mouth. Hmm. And I use my oral probiotics a couple times a day. Interesting. Now, is that, you know, like, uh, I know we have the uh, ultimate uh, microbiome, uh, and that's more for the gut, right? Yeah, it it does, is totally it, different. Yep. Totally different. Okay. Yep. Now, do um, we... and you know, there are several different and I, I'm not married to any company, but there are several different oral probiotic products. And I'll be honest and tell you that I have started to use them 
just to see if I see any difference. Mm -hmm. The ones I'm using right now, I get off um, Amazon. Okay. But there's also a company called Burst, which is a company that has an electric toothbrush. Right. They also I have, have a one. water. Yep. Yeah, okay. Okay. And, you know, the water pick that is um, just a handheld water pick thing that does the water flossing, if you will. But right. they also, I just recently found out, they also have an oral probiotic. So that's the next mm. one I'm going to try. Mm. I'm also in the process of potentially developing my own oral probiotic. But cool. again, that's because of all the research I've done. That's so. interesting. And, so, and... We've, you know, we've taught for so many years the gut is central to human health. But now we know that there's even one more step and one more thing that we need to consider now in the oral case uh, does it work pretty much the same way where if you have enough good uh, bacteria they'll overgrow and push out the bad yep absolutely okay. absolutely and if you have enough of the good bacteria meaning you haven't killed it all off using those antimicrobial mouthwashes mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about bad breath hmm. that's cool your good bacteria helps to maintain the saliva helps to maintain the moisture in your mouth, helps to maintain healthy breath. And it's just, it's, it's like the other things. Like I say, once, you know, once we start to learn this information and start to understand this information, it's pretty amazing. I have to wonder sometimes, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we live well enough <laughs> to get here? Right. But, you know, and if you're, you know, if you're someone who's into the world of exciting new stuff in medicine, to me, this is just as exciting as so many of the yeah. other things that are going on. This is the first time I've ever heard anything like this, and it's, it's blowing me away. Now, um, I'm telling you, what kind of imagine, form? Imagine being in dentistry. Okay? Oh, yeah. Sitting in, sitting in my class and being just like you. Hmm. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh my God. I've never heard about this before. And I mean, these people are wildly excited about this information because oh, yeah. they don't know it. It's just like me. You know, when I, when I first started to study the gut, I was studying the gut because I was in a field of focus, but most of the people that I worked with were not in that field of focus. And so when I started talking about the gut and the importance of the gut microbiome, they were like, what? You know, you're not supposed to have bacteria in your gut. <laughs> well, we know it's much different than that. So yeah. now one last question about the mouth and then we'll get back to the gut. Um, what kind of form does this, the oral probiotics come in? Is it like a spray or a rinse or something that you just swish around? What it is, is it's little tablets. Oh, okay. And after you've brushed your teeth and rinsed your mouth, you just suck on these little tablets and let them dissolve slowly. You don't chew them up. You just let them oh. dissolve slowly. Don't eat anything or drink, drink, don't eat or drink anything for about 30 minutes. Hmm. And it will help to replenish the good bacteria in the mouth. Cool. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> the things you didn't know that you didn't know. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Now back to the gut gut. Um, how, you know, how many people, I think a lot of people think they have, are healthy. You know, I hear this all the time. I've always been real healthy. And my, my first question is, how long have you been taking the 90 essential nutrients? But, you know, another thing, another good question to ask them is how long you've been supporting your gut? Um, mm -hmm. Because you can't be healthy 
without a healthy gut, and you can't be healthy without giving your body the right stuff. And, of course, the right stuff doesn't get into your body unless your gut's working the way it should. What do we right. do to accentuate the ability of the gut to process things and absorb things properly? Well, first of all, first of all, and you brought this up, first of all, people have to understand that if their gut's not healthy, they're not healthy. And a lot of people think or they have the misconception that they're healthy because they don't seem to have any problems. OK, but when you start right. asking the conversation or asking the questions and one of the questions that I ask when I give people a health evaluation is I want to know if they have two to three healthy bowel movements a day. Mm hmm. And a lot of people don't, but yeah. a lot of people are under the misconception because in the conventional medicine world, the doctor will say, oh, if you don't have a bowel movement except every two to three days, that's normal if that's normal <laughs> for you. And so oh, you have man. to get past that barrier, you know. And as you well know, working with people from our perspective that are so married to the conventional medicine world, there's oh, yeah. a lot of barriers we have to break down. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that because yeah. they go to their doctor and their doctor will ask them, you know, you ever, ever have constipation? No, don't suffer. How often do you have a bowel movement? Oh, once every two or three days. Okay. And they go on to the next question <laughs> because once every two or three days is normal for them. So that's normal. So we know that that's not normal. We know that that's not healthy. So that's one of the barriers you have to break through. You have to get people to understand that, you know, really, if you're going to be healthy, your gut must be healthy. And if your gut is healthy, that means you're having two to three healthy bowel movements a day and you're moving through all of those things that need to be pushed through. Right. So I always start people with that basic understanding. The other thing, the other big, you know, hurdle we have to get past is food. And helping people understand the importance of a healthy diet and we share the good food bad food list kind of mm -hmm. give them an idea that these foods we consider bad foods or offending foods because they disrupt that balance of bacteria in the gut mm -hmm. and that's so important if you want to get the benefit from the nutrition that you're taking so i usually start out with a 20-day protocol and in that 20-day protocol I use the I-26. Is it okay for me to name products? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I use the I-26 product, which is an amazing product to get rid of bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. It actually will not allow bad bacteria to adhere to the inside lining of the gut. It pushes it through. So my protocol includes the I-26 to get rid of the bad bacteria and the nightly essence, which is the one you mentioned a few minutes ago, a very powerful probiotic mm -hmm. that actually helps to reestablish all the colonies of good healthy gut bacteria so those two things in in addition to enzymes with meals enzymes between meals and the collagen because collagen is necessary to help to rebuild and repair the gut lining now the other thing that i do recommend in my protocol is the minerals because I personally believe that the minerals are so important. I believe that no matter mm -hmm. what you take from the standpoint of the 90 essential nutrients, you should be, in addition, taking one to two ounces of minerals a day. That's just my opinion. I've, you know, I've studied with Dr. Wallach for many, many years, and I can remember 
when I was first with Dr. Wallach, him stressing over and over again the importance of the minerals and how you need the minerals more doses a day than, for example, a tangy tangerine. And that's because you need more minerals. Those minerals are mineral cofactors that help all the other vitamins work. So basically that's the program. And what I will often do is, you know, in today's world where sometimes finances are so tight, mm -hmm. what I will often do is I will start people on that 20 day protocol with two bottles of minerals. So right. they do the 20 days worth of the gut repair, but they're also in addition every day for the 30 days, taking an ounce of minerals in the morning and an ounce of minerals in the evening. And mm -hmm. then during the second month, we introduce the 90 essential nutrients. Okay. Cool. And that's because I don't want people wasting their money on these products. Okay. Now, yeah. if you start taking the 90 nutrients uh, and you start eating the good food, bad food list, chances are over time, your gut will repair especially if you get rid of the gluten, especially if you get rid of the genetically modified foods, you salt your food to taste, you do the things that we know that ultimately can heal the gut. You can, over time, heal the gut. My approach is different in as much as let's get the gut right now, and then we'll start taking those 90 nutrients. They'll be much better absorbed. Mm -hmm. And just for... And uh, I have had... Okay. I let, have let me say something real quick. Time after time. While you've been mentioning those things, I've been putting the links to those products, the minerals, the I-26, and the good food, bad food list are all in the chat, so you can just click on them and you go right to them. I'm sorry. Oh, cool. Go ahead. Cool. No, no worries. Um, but I've worked with many people in this company, many people, okay, I'm going to say probably three, four hundred, mm -hmm. who have come to me and have said, you know, I've been taking these products for three months not seeing any difference, six months, not seeing any difference. I've been on these products for a year and I'm really not seeing any difference. I'm not getting the benefit from these products that I think I should. I put them on the 20 day protocol mm -hmm. and they come back to me and it's like, oh Ooh. my gosh, <laughs> I don't have to take so much of the Beyond Tangy Tangerine. It wires me, it makes me, you know, it gives me too much energy. I don't sleep at night. That means that what's in that beyond tangy tangerine is working yeah it has not been working because your gut has not been healthy now that your gut is healthy it's working mm -hmm. so you know that for that reason alone that's why i use the approach i use yeah. because it has happened time and time again where people just say i'm not seeing any difference and once they've done that 20-day protocol they see an amazing difference and go on from there right so yeah, I had a guest on the show Monday who, uh, and in all fairness, she you know is not familiar heavily with the uh, uh, true nutrition, although she works in a health food store. She made the statement of, you are what you eat. And I said, I had to correct her. I said, no, you are what you absorb. And mm -hmm. you have to make sure your gut's working properly so that the things you're spending your mon hard-earned money on are actually going to give you some results and some, uh, you know, not just go through you. And uh, I think this this plan of action is probably the best I've ever heard, making sure that first and foremost, the gut's doing the things it's supposed to. Um, is it a safe bet 
if you are having, you know, at least three healthy bowel movements a day that you're in pretty good shape and you can go right to the nutrition or should you consider doing this anyway? Or is there another uh, short version process, uh, a quicker type thing like with the microbiome or something like that that you could do? And a lot of people will do that. What I normally tell people is, from my perspective, we all have an unhealthy gut. And what do I mean by that? Well, we are all exposed to things in our diet, whether we like it or not, even if we try to eat a pristine diet, we're all exposed to things in our diet that will damage the inside lining of the gut. Many people, even if your course of antibiotics was 30 years ago, you've had antibiotics killing off some of the good bacteria. And unless you eat kefir and you know, uh, other foods that will actually help to replenish those mm-hmm. good bacteria, you may actually be lacking certain types of bacteria. So from my perspective, I think everybody should do the 20 day protocol at least once. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then continue to maintain a healthy diet and all the other good nutritionals. But to your point, if people have all their lives eaten a healthy diet, not taken antibiotics or steroids, not taking any other over-the-counter medications because we always say antibiotics and steroids. We know that antibiotics kill off bacteria. Okay, so that's always the one that we mention. But any medication is going to kill off good, healthy gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who has ever had antibiotics or if you're someone who has never had antibiotics, you have three healthy bowel movements a day, you always have had, you've never had a problem then I would say, okay, you, you are a lucky person. You have a relatively healthy gut. And then I would say the microbiome would probably be perfectly okay. I also say to people, again, understanding that, you know, not everyone has deep pockets. Right. I also say to people, if you cannot afford the 20 day protocol, get two tubs of the microbiome and take a dose twice a day. Okay. The microbiome is an amazing product. It just does not have as much of the I-26 and the probiotics in it as mm-hmm. you would get if you were doing that 20-day protocol. Now, refresh my memory. With the, with the 20-day protocol, you were doing the I-26, and what was was were you doing the nightly essence? Was that the other thing? I-26 and the nightly essence. And then yep. the minerals. Okay. And then minerals, collagen, and the enzymes with meals and between meals. And people will say, why do you do enzymes between meals? I usually recommend the Digest FX between meals, and this is the reason why. If you're taking a good enzyme that has a proteolytic enzyme in it between meals, as it gets into your stomach, there's nothing in your stomach to work on. So it immediately goes out into the circulation and starts to clean up the blood which is really important when we talk about larger than normal food molecules leaking out of the gut and into the circulation, a lot of those larger than normal food molecules are protein molecules. And so now you've got protein molecules circulating through the system. We call them circulating immune complexes and those circulating immune complexes set up a, an allergic type reaction perhaps, or an, autoimmune type reaction, the body says, this shouldn't be here. So the body begins to mount an attack. And that attack can lead to an inflammatory reaction, an allergic reaction, a full-blown autoimmune reaction. So 
you want to limit as much as possible those circulating immune complexes. And how do you do that? You repair the gut lining. But in the meantime, while the gut lining is being repaired, if you're taking a good proteolytic enzyme with no food in your stomach, it's going to go out into the circulation and help to clean up the trash in the blood. Okay. So the ultimate enzymes are the ones you recommended? The ultimate enzymes I usually recommend with meals. Okay. I'll be honest and tell you, if a person has a really unhealthy gut, sometimes the ultimate enzymes are a little too harsh. People will sometimes have stomach cramping and more significant stomach, not, not lower gut, not intestines, but more stomach issues with the ultimate enzymes. Mm -hmm. And it's because their system is so unhealthy to start with. The okay. other thing, too, to keep in mind is those ultimate enzymes contain the ox bile. Yeah. And the ox bile is like a gallbladder in a bottle. It does a great job for helping to break down fats. But mm -hmm. if you've got a good functioning gallbladder, you probably don't need that extra ox bile. So sometimes people find that product to be a little bit too harsh. And if that's the case, I just say then use the Digest FX with meals and between meals. Okay. But I usually recommend the ultimate enzymes with meals, the digest FX between meals, because I don't want people doing the gallbladder in a bottle <laughs> when they don't have any food in their stomach. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I'm just uh, grabbing these items and putting them in the chat room for people um, just so that uh, when they go looking, they can find them. And FX, <laughs> and we'll keep going. Um, goodness, we're almost through the first hour. Whew. Is there anything else you want to um, bring out before we open the lines for uh, question and answers? I do want to. I do want to just bring up a couple of things. Many people do have gut issues, and many people have serious gut issues. When I talk about serious gut issues, I'm talking about those things like. Um, Crohn's disease and irritable bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome. That is all an evidence of an unhealthy gut, but it's also evidence of significant inflammation in the gut. And so what I recommend, and I'll make sure that you get a copy of the gut protocol so that you can post that as well. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I recommend when people are having those kinds of issues is the product called antioxidant response in the good herbs line. Okay. That antioxidant response in the good herbs line should be called anti-inflammatory because it works so powerfully as an anti-inflammatory. The important thing to remember if you're going to be using that product as an anti-inflammatory for inflammation in the gut it needs to be taken on an empty stomach so that it goes down and immediately starts working on the gut. This is, again, a product that's an amazing anti-inflammatory, and it will deal with any anti-inflammatory -infl issue anywhere in the body. If you're taking it for a systemic inflammation product, it should be taken with the essential fatty acids. The essential fatty acids help to drive it more quickly into the system. But if you're using the antioxidant response to deal with inflammation in the gut, 
you really need to take it on an empty stomach so it goes into the gut and does its job unimpaired. Okay. Yeah. And the the uh, other really good product that that is added to the um, gut protocol just to enhance the gut protocol is the Eat Less in the Stay Natural line. Hmm. The Eat Less in the Stay Natural line is an amazing colon scrubber, if you will. And so if people are doing the 20-day protocol and they also introduce the eat less, they seem to get a bigger, better benefit. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I love the, uh, the good herbs line. They're some of the best herbal tinctures out there. And, uh, and so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Yep. And for some reason, I keep getting a can't open page when I click on that item. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, one way or another, I'll figure out how to get it in the chat. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, I'm trying to think the... Uh, oh, yeah. Some of the folks... Uh, we've had some folks uh, that listen to the show from time to time that have uh, been dealing with issues like polyps in the colon and things like that. Uh, bleeding issues, and uh, I think one person actually has colorectal cancer at this point. Um, what would you recommend as a protocol for those kind of a situation? The first thing I recommend is the good food, bad food, and the gut protocol. Yeah. And again, when we start talking about the inside lining of the gut, if you've got ample amounts of the healthy bacteria, it's going to start to repair itself. And I have had clients who have been diagnosed with polyps and they go back a year later and they've been doing the gut protocol. They've done it maybe twice now because it's been a year and they have no polyps. There's no evidence of polyps. And, you know, doctors are like, oh, well, you you had polyps. How is it you don't have polyps? <laughs> well, you know what? <sighs> if we're eating healthy and if we're taking good care of our gut and if we're not eating the crap foods in the diet excuse mm -hmm. the expression yeah. and we're treating the gut by doing that 20-day protocol just like any other part of the body it's going to repair itself it's going to take care of itself mm -hmm. and so that's my first recommendation and of course anytime someone has polyps you know doctors want to make sure that they get them back in there and check those polyps time and time and time and time again Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have polyps. Why don't I know if I have polyps? Because I've never had a colonoscopy and I'm not signing up to get one. So me either. Just, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the way I look at it. And I don't go to doctors because I don't want a doctor to find something and, and start trying to convince me that this could be something yeah. and, you know, putting me into the medical quagmire, as I call it. And, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, Jim, and tell you, it's been very, very, very hard for me because I was so devoted to my career as a nurse for mm -hmm. so many years and so proud of what I did. And now I have to be honest and tell you that I find myself sometimes sitting very sad because conventional medicine world is embarrassing to me. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I, having been married to a nurse who, uh, has been in, well, she's been in orthopedic surgery for the last 30 some years. So totally different, uh, part of the practice you might say, but, um, it, 
is interesting. Some of the conversations we have from time to time. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's literally wrapped around the axle in most cases. Um, and uh, it's it, it can be frustrating. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you I'm just sure. have to do what you can do. And we're at the different ends of the spectrum. You know, she's moving around between jobs right now after COVID. It seems like all the the COVID idiots that took the jabs and everything have migrated into the top positions. And they're such morons. And they're telling, you know, they have no qualifications, but they're in charge of, you know, nurses with years and years of experience. And they're just being more, you know, just it's stupid. And uh, the people that are stuck in that position, I can't put up with this stuff. And uh, she just finally <laughs> yesterday got a job at a nursing facility or, or like an extended care place that, you know, the other nurses that are there have been the same thing in hospitals for years and years. So this was the best move I ever made. You know, they're just taking care of people and and that kind of stuff and a whole lot less stress. Uh, I think she's mm-hmm. going to like it. But um, still, you know, passing out drugs and all these people. And I see, you know, you got people on hospice and everything. Oh, my goodness. And I just want to say, you know, I could come in there and help some of those people get straightened out. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And that's the hard thing. And that was the hardest thing for me. And that's why I left nursing. Yeah. I just could not, in all good conscience, stand there and tell these people to do what I had to tell them to do because it was doctor's orders when I knew it wasn't right for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's an amazing situation, especially, you know, those people are in the box. And mm-hmm. they can't see outside of it, even though sometimes right. the box has clear walls, they still can't see past that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I can remember I was, I, when I left nursing, I left nursing, I was working on a cardiac floor and I had, I had been involved in cardiac care for many, many years. And I had taken a couple of years off from nursing. My husband and I owned a campground and I had a wonderful time and Ooh. we sold the campground and we came back to the real world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went back to work. I went back to work in a cardiac unit. And the way I tell the story is when I left, the nurse's drug handbook was about a half an inch thick. Oh. By the time I got back, the nurse's drug handbook was two inches thick. Now, if you're a nurse, if you're going to maintain your license, Mm-hmm. When you give a medication to a patient, you need to know standard dose so you're not overdosing them. Yep. You know, did the doctor write the wrong prescription? Okay, it's your responsibility to catch it. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, don't don't even let me go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to know standard dose. You have to know interactions. You have to know um, the positive and negative side effects of that particular drug. But you have to know mechanism of action. Mm-hmm mechanism of action how does this drug work in the body so you can explain to the patient your doctors prescribed this medication because this is what it does yeah so here i am the good little doobie i'm working on a cardiac floor now the book's gone from a half an inch to two inches why well because heart disease is the leading cause of death so the pharmaceutical companies have really made hay while the sun shines and all of the new drugs that are in this nurse's drug handbook are all cardiac drugs. So I am working on a floor and I am giving patients medications I am not familiar with by any stretch of the imagination. So I've got this nurse's drug handbook with me everywhere I go. Okay. I cannot tell you the number of times I looked up a medication because I had to know about it to give it mechanism of action in bold letters unknown 
<laughs> we just give it because we Are want you to. Me? <laughs> I, just, I couldn't believe it. Well, that's everything I, about how allopathic medicine. How can I medicine. give this drug to a patient when I don't even know how it works? Yeah. So I remember I was lecturing in Miami one time and, you know, I said that and I had a nursing student in the audience and I could tell she was looking at me like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I was down there again about 18 months later and she came to hear my lecture again and she came up to me afterwards and she said, you know, when I was here before you said that, I didn't believe you. She said, I went home and I pulled out my nurse's drug handbook and you're absolutely right. There are so many drugs in there, mechanism of action unknown. How in the world? And so that's that's when I just I finally it couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. That's amazing. But you know, that's that's all that's the case with allopathic medicine. We don't know what causes it, we don't know what gets rid of it, we only know what it yep. manages it, and of course we don't know how the managing things work. <laughs> that's just, right. We just give it to them and hope for the best. <laughs> And then we struggle with all the side effects of the managing medications. Right. And we do that by using other medications. I just, you know, oh, yeah. polypharmacy. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, um, we got a lot of folks out here. Hopefully some of them have some questions. Uh, so if anybody has a question for Dr. Conaway, go ahead and just unmute and chime in. Let's see here. Robert, you got any questions? He might be eating lunch or something because he's usually at work and he's listening. But uh, what oh. does uh, the doctor go. charge for her services? Um, Consultation. Okay, generally this is this is the way I've always done it. If you are familiar with the Longevity products, so I don't have to start with square one, telling yeah. you, then I charge sixty dollars for the initial conversation. Mm, if okay, if you're someone who is not involved in Longevity and I have to start at square one. Then I charge a hundred dollars for the initial consultation. Okay. So okay, makes sense. All right, all right. Well, thanks very much. And would, oh, you're very welcome. Would the best way for them to reach you be, would be through the uh, the website DRJ Conway? Through my website. Okay. Yep, DRJConway.com. Yeah, and that's in the uh, chat room. So anybody that needs to just click that and follow the prompts. Um, anybody else have any questions? Got to be somebody. Oh, I can always come up with some, you know. <laughs> All right, Brenda, go ahead. Yeah, I I have had gut issues since. Well, I had my gallbladder out when I was 20. Mm. And I haven't been normal since then. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I never knew about digestive enzymes probably until you know 15 to 18 20 ish years ago so um you know i tried just not to eat fried foods very often because i immediately had diarrhea mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um then well for the last 10 years pretty much nine to ten years um then i've gotten worse you know just uh, of course i was on proton pump inhibitors for back before that for years oh my gosh yeah and then uh, of course they said i had barrett's esophagus you know back 18 years ago and you know they had me on two of the purple pills a day there for, oh. <clears throat> for several for a few years <clears throat> then um 
then when we moved back here to Texas, then I, I learned about some uh, digestive enzymes and started taking them and was able to get myself off of the purple pills. And, um, you know, things, things were somewhat better for a while. Um, and I've been doing the uh, longevity products for five to six years now, probably close to that. Um, I've been gluten-free for eight years and I've still bloat, hurt, cramp, you know, on and off with diarrhea at times, constipation at times and all that. And, you know, it seems like it's better at times than worse. And, and as of late, I, uh, oh, Dave in the thumb was telling us about what you had said on the uh, uh, microbiome um, product, you know, to take it twice a day for 20 days and it would correct as well. I got to digging in some of my um, longevity stuff and we had some of the I-26 product that we had got a couple of years ago. And so I had enough for about a week of that. And I took that before we got the microbiome in. And I could tell that was starting to help a lot. And, and then I've done the microbiome, you know, once a day, twice a day, some days. And I've taken the, the uh, ultimate enzymes, you know, since it has the ox bile. I take mm -hmm. one to two of those every time I eat anything. Mm-hmm. And but um, I'm surprised to hear you talking about the uh, digest FX. I never have tried those. Um, and you were saying to take them between meals, like just one or two. Usually one or two. If you're doing the 20 day protocol, mm -hmm. that's the recommendation. Now, a lot of people um, will do the microbiome and I don't know that. I ever have necessarily said the microbiome twice a day for 20 days, but maybe I did. I feel like if people are going to do the microbiome instead of the 20 day protocol, that they need to do the microbiome for at least a full month, twice a day. But back to your question, those enzymes between meals, again, do a great job of helping to clean up the blood. And so if you're someone who is eating healthy, and if you're someone who, and this is another thing that I'll get into for just a minute, if you're someone who recognizes the importance of taking a break between meals, this is important and a lot of people don't understand it. When we talk about, and this is something that hasn't always been known either. This is something that was just discovered probably about 20 years ago. But in our systems, we have a migrating motor complex. The migrating motor complex is simply a way for the body to clean out the small intestine. So this is how it works. You eat a meal and for the next 90 minutes to two and a half hours, you're going through the digestive phase of that meal, meaning your body's digesting, breaking down, doing what it needs to do. And then after that time, the migrating motor complex kicks in. The migrating motor complex is a peristaltic wave that starts at the end of the stomach and goes through the small intestine to move out the old fiber, bacteria, whatever's left behind from the foods that you eat, pushing it through into the colon. This migrate, the large intestine, this migrating motor complex takes, again, about 90 minutes to two hours to complete. 
but it will stop immediately if you eat anything. So what that means is you really should have somewhere around four to five hours between meals so that your body has the opportunity to clean itself out. The fact that many people graze all day long or they're always eating something or they can't walk past the candy dish without grabbing a handful of M&Ms or, you know, they they feel like they can eat breakfast and they have to have a snack at 10 or 1030 and then they eat lunch around one and then they have to have a snack at 334 o'clock and then they eat dinner at six. They never give their body the opportunity to experience a minor migrating motor complex until at night in bed. And that's just not enough. This is one of the reasons why we, it's speculated. This is one of the reasons why we have seen such a dramatic increase in the numbers of people who have irritable bowel syndrome and SIBO, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It never gets cleaned out because we never experience this migrating motor complex. So if you're someone who is diligent and make sure that you, you know, take a break of about four to five hours between meals, it's somewhere between that one hour to two hours after a meal, you take an um, probiotic like the DigestFX. There's no food left in the stomach for it to work on. So it's just going to leave your stomach, go out into the circulation and start to clean up the trash in the blood. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. Because a, a lot of the times, the last few months, you know, I've been trying to do the, oh, you know, where you're fasting for mm -hmm. 12 mm -hmm. hours. And so, so I don't eat, but twice a day. And I, I do that within a six to seven hour period. And so, you know, but then, so just at night is when I'm not eating. Right the 12 hours so I don't know that's and I have with talking to other people with nutritional stuff they've thought that the the SIBO was something I was dealing with you know because I heard in my small intestine area a lot of times and bloat and hurt in that area and it you know it very well could be part of your issue small intestinal bacterial overgrowth affects many more people than we ever really thought possible mm -hmm. and it's because again the lack of the function of the migrating motor complex is one of the things that is thought to cause it. But again, killing off the good bacteria allows for an overgrowth of the bad bacteria. And as that bad bacteria continues to overgrow and proliferate, it can back up literally from the colon, the large intestine into the small intestine mm -hmm. and create that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm -hmm. So, so the I-26 product then would be the best at, at getting that back into. The I-26 in combination with the nightly essence. So the I-26, I recommend that they be taken at a different time of day. So just to make it easy, I recommend the I-26 in the morning. It does not have to be in the morning, but I recommend it in the morning. The other really important thing to remember about the I-26 product is it should not be taken at the same time you're eating any other eggs. Mm, okay. It needs to be taken away from other eggs. And the reason for that is all eggs have antibodies. The, the antibodies in the I-26 are specific. And so if you're eating an egg and there's antibodies in that egg, and then you're doing the I-26 and there's antibodies in the I-26, they kind of confuse each other. 
Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So we just recommend that you don't eat eggs at the same time you do the I-26. Mm -hmm. And so you shouldn't eat eggs for at least two hours before you do the I-26. You shouldn't eat eggs for at least an hour after you've done the I-26. Okay. You let the I-26 do its job. But the I-26 helps to clean out the bad bacteria. The nightly essence helps to replenish the good bacteria. Both mm -hmm things are critically important to help to reestablish a healthy microbiome. You need to get rid of the bad stuff. You need to put in the good stuff. Now, before we had the I-26, my protocol was a little different. And what I was doing then was a whole lot more of probiotic, because if you flood the system with probiotic, you can ultimately clean out the bad bacteria. When we got the I-26 product, it was like that job was already done for me. I could clean out the bad bacteria and reestablish the good bacteria very easily. So the nightly essence is designed to be taken at night. Mm -hmm. The reason it's designed to be taken at night is because that's when things in the gut are relatively quiet and it can actually go through and do its job. That nightly essence product also has some powerful systemic enzymes. They're not digestive enzymes, they're systemic enzymes. Um, natokinase or natokinase people say it both ways. That's an amazing product for helping to clean up the blood in terms of preventing blood clots. And so there's been a lot of research with respect to natokinase actually helping to prevent blood clots, actually helping to break up blood clots. There's also C-Prozess. C-Prozess is another enzyme. It's an enzyme that works diligently to help to support the respiratory system. So there's a couple of really good systemic enzymes in that product as well. And if you take it at night, it has the opportunity to really work well because your body's not doing anything else. Makes sense. And how many do you suggest to take of those? Well, if you're doing the 20 day protocol, I recommend four at night for the first 10 nights and then two at night for the next 10 nights. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. And the minerals, as you talked about that, one to, you know, two ounces a day, one in the morning, one at night, then you're talking of the liquid, not the right. pills. Absolutely. I, I recommend the liquid. Okay. Now, if you want to do the pills, you can just recognize that the liquid, if your gut's working, is up to 90% absorbable, up to 95% absorbable. The pills are only up to about 85% absorbable. Okay. So. Okay. And the collagen peptides, I'm not familiar with that. I never have taken that. Okay. That's a product that is very easily thrown into a shake. It's um, a product that helps to support the connective tissue in the body. And so we're talking about all connective tissue. We're talking about the skin. We're talking about the connective tissue within the gut. We're talking about the muscles, all connective tissue in the body. And so that's an amazing product that we came out with. Well, it's been a few years ago now because it was before COVID and a lot of people are seeing significant benefit. You know, it helps to improve the tone of your skin. It helps to improve, you know, the function of muscle and certainly helps to repair the inside lining of the gut. So many people are seeing a great benefit taking that particular product. Now that's the blue one, right? It's well, actually the one that I recommend in the protocol is just the plain. 
collagen peptides. peptides. Yeah, I think that's a blue container. Now, we also have the bone one. Right. We have a couple of different ones now, which is good. However, you just need to remember that the dosing on each of them is not always the same. Right, yeah. Yeah, and the blue one, I just say blue because it's easier to figure out because they all have a different color label. And that's Mm -hmm. the, uh, I think that's the original one. And uh, Mm -hmm. I've used that, and it is a great product. Okay. And I was going to say, Jim, on your uh, link over here to the Digest FX, it's to the collagen also. So you have that in. Oh, it must not have copied properly. I'll fix that. Thank you. Okay. I just noticed that. But, yes, gosh, all this makes such great sense. And, And I've done parts of it at different times, you know, with the with regular the regular 90 you know right right and stuff but i've noticed doing you know the my the you know your ultimate uh liquid and stuff with the minerals and the oh the uh um calcium and all the stuff that we put into our shake it just it's like it is so strong for me i have to keep diluting it and and here again, it will sometimes cause me to have diarrhea and have to run to the bathroom. <laughs> well, and just a, a couple of things about the diarrhea. First of all, that can often happen when your gut is not functioning optimally. But the other thing to think about, diarrhea is not always a bad thing. And oftentimes diarrhea that seems to be in association with taking the 90 essential nutrients and all the calcium and everything, <clears throat> it's your body getting rid of toxins. And so you just kind of smile and let it happen. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, if we were doing this 20 day, then don't do the, uh, you know, the mighty 90 or whatever. Well, I only, yeah, I only say that in situations where people can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Because for the most part, you know, like ideally the program would be good food, bad food, 20 day protocol and 90 nutrients all at once. In fact, the protocol itself says right on it, you can continue to take all your other supplements while you're doing this program. It's just that some people can't afford to do the 20-day protocol and do the Healthy Start Pack. Mm -hmm. So that's when I recommend that they do the 20-day protocol, make sure they get the minerals. So they're at least getting the minerals that first month. And then the second month, they can go ahead and do the 90 nutrients. But ideally, it would be all at the same time. Same time. Okay. Yeah. And we, we have been taking it. We don't we don't do it two shakes a day, you know, but mm-hmm. we do, we do uh, the other protocol kind of um, right. with other stuff. But and my other question would be now with with this doing the 20 day and, and all this, the nightly enzymes and all we're getting all the probiotics we need. We don't need any other additional no, if you're doing the nightly essence, you, you're getting your probiotics. You're getting 14 different strains of probiotic. Yeah, that thing which is, is really loaded. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of stuff in that product. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I have taken, I've got multiple types of probiotics that I switch around, take different ones, different things, you know, from time to time. And I was taking nightly essence a couple, three years ago, but I have, I have not taken that recently, so I definitely need to get some of those, sounds like. But you admittedly saw improvement doing the I-26, correct? Yes, yes. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. 
But then I didn't order any more of it when we got the microbiome because I thought, well, it's got it in there, but maybe I need to go back and just do some of the I-26 by itself. Well, there is some in it, but not as much as you would get if you used a full scoop of the I-26. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Well, it just, it's wonderful. And your oral things, you know, talking about that, that makes really good sense. And, you know, I have had bleeding gums lately on more around where I have a crown and stuff, but I'm just thinking, what is going on? Why can I mm. not get this to quit bleeding? Like when I floss, you know, it just, it bleeds for a good bit. Yeah. And that's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got a, a water pick and I thought, well, I'll put some peroxide in there and use the water pick. Hopefully that'll help. <laughs> that'll help. But um, I'll tell you also that there's a lot of testimonials out there where people start to use the oral probiotics mm. and it clears up their bleeding gums. Mm. So something yeah. to think about. Yeah, that sounds really good too. We'll have to look into that. Well, thanks so much for all your information. It's just wonderful. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Yes, I definitely have. So thanks so much. Uh -huh. I'll let someone else ask questions. <laughs> okay. Jo Joan, did you yeah, have a question? Okay, go oh. ahead, Dave. I'm well. How are you? Good. Um, I I I just have to say you've never said uh, 20 days on the microbiome. I know we were talking about you know your 20 day protocol, and uh, you know I knew you had a few changes. I didn't know it exactly, but I did hear you say that the microbiome you know twice a day for a month, and you know it may have just got misconstrued there. But one of my friends has had all of his teeth removed. He got septic, you know, Doc, he, he almost died. Doc saved his life and uh, he's doing really well now, but he still hasn't got his permanent uh, dentures and he's really struggling with denture adhesive, you know, because of the temporaries he's got, he can't afford to get the permanent ones yet and, you know, wash around in his mouth. So he's got to use this adhesive that, you know, he says it's horrible. Can you recommend any healthy denture adhesive you know dave i am sorry but i don't know of any i mean i just you know i i'm into the dental realm far enough to know about the microbiome when you start talking mm -hmm. to me about dental surgery and teeth removal and dentures and all that stuff that's beyond my expertise i really don't know and you know, it's, it's so unfortunate when people have to have all their teeth removed like that because they do have difficulties later trying to be able to adequately use dentures. And, you know, I've, I've known of so many people who have sores from the dentures rubbing and all of that. And to tell you a good adhesive, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you and a uh, great call. And, uh, I will recommend the oral probiotics for him and somebody else I know that's, you know, suffering with that, uh, that same affliction. So, okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Uh -huh. Great call. Hey, Thank Dave. you, Dave. Dave. You're welcome. Dave, real quick. Uh, oh. Excuse me. Dave, real, I want to respond to Dave real quick. Um, yeah. The uh, back when Joyce Riley was with us, she had a company. It was a mom and pop group that was on uh, that they had a dental adhesive that was 
they, you know, Joyce had checked it out and uh, thought it was really, really good. Non-toxic, did a great job. And I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of it. But I don't know if it's one that they covered in the Power Mall or not. But you might check with Daniel Brigman and see if he's got that in he his. He doesn't do that anymore. He's not I, doing that. I still have the number for that Power Mall. Okay. Yeah, um, you might check into that. I'm doing some online searches to see if I can find it, uh, the dental adhesive recommended by okay. Joyce Riley. If I find anything, I'll let you know. You know that paralegal who's wrote the book Clouded Titles? He does the Power Hour now. Oh, really? Daniel quit. Yeah, Daniel quit on them, uh, you know, in the middle of the show, and uh, and they kind of left him. He left them scrambling, and uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but he's he wrote that book, Clouded Titles. Yeah, I know who you mean. I can't remember his name off the top of my head either. Yeah. But, okay, cool. Okay. He, all right. Thanks. Okay. I appreciate that recommendation. I'll check yeah. in with them. Yeah, Joan, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, for people eating only one meal a day, are they expected to have two to three BMs a day or just one or? Why would a person eat only one meal a day? Hmm. Because they don't have time for two meals or they're, they're not hungry or. Um... Jim, you just okay, do one meal, I don't would... you? I'm sorry. Yeah. I only eat once a day as a rule. Um, and this is something I started way back uh, in 2012, 2013, when I was going through the longevity uh, ASAP uh, weight loss program. I, I, I did three meals a day during that program. But afterwards, I got to the point where I got up in the morning, I took my supplements, and I would go all day. And I'd usually eat one meal, uh, 500 to 1,000 calories, uh, around 5 to 6 o'clock. And that was all I needed because I wasn't real active. Uh, most of the time was spent in the office and the computers and now doing the radio shows and that kind of thing. Um, didn't really have a need for a lot of extra calories. And uh, I was functioning just fine. I got plenty of energy and all that. And I guess this way it gives my body plenty of time to process everything uh, and that. But um, that's kind of where I've been for quite some time. And I haven't had any problems. That's interesting. Of... Um, and, and I say that mostly because a lot of people can't sustain on one meal a day. Now, those people who can't sustain on one meal a day are often those people who aren't taking good supplements. So mm -hmm. I know that if you're taking oftentimes that that's going to change the whole thing in terms of whether or not you can sustain. Right. But if a person's eating only one meal a day, I would expect them to have at least two bowel movements a day. And this is the reason why, Joan, whenever we talk about the gastrointestinal system, we have to recognize that the stomach produces about two liters a day of stomach juices, whether you're eating or not eating. And that's why um, if you have ever known anyone in the hospital who's had a gastric surgery, for example, they may have had um, part of the colon removed because they had diverticulitis, or they may have had some other type of colon surgery. They will oftentimes have a nasogastric tube after that surgery. The reason for that is because even though you're not eating, your stomach is still producing gastric juices and your gallbladder is still putting out some bile. So in the hospital setting, we have to get those juices out of the body so that they don't interrupt with the suture line. Okay. Suture so, line? 
What's the suture? suture line? If, okay. if the person's had sutures, okay? If a person's had their gut, part, part of their gut removed and they had it put back together, you don't, you don't want, you want that tissue to heal a little bit before you have that fluid continue to come down through the system. Does that make sense? Yes. So that would be why a person would have an nasogastric tube. But someone who's healthy is still going to produce at least two liters a day of gastric juices, and they have to go somewhere. And in a person who is not eating but one meal a day, there's still those gastric juices are still going to go down through the small intestine into the colon. The water will be removed by the body, and you still should be developing a bowel movement. So I would say that someone who eats one meal a day should still have at least two healthy bowel movements a day. I have three to five. <laughs> yeah, and usually people are going to still have, if you're doing good nutrition, if you're eating healthy food, you're still going to have three to five healthy bowel movements every day. And that's because you're moving things through in a ready fashion. If a person's eating one meal a day and not having any more than one bowel movement a day, I would say that their gut probably isn't functioning at an optimal level and they need to consider doing that 20 day protocol. Okay, same thing. Hydration too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know Jennifer Daniels, uh, she would refuse to work on people if they didn't have <laughs> two or three bowel movements. And often when they did finally start regularly doing that, they didn't need any other help. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, cheered up their dispositions and everything. Yeah. Speaking absolutely. of Jennifer Daniels, doctor, do you, uh, are you familiar with her vitality capsules and can you recommend those? I do have them, I do use them, and I can recommend them. Another observation I've had is, uh, you know, Wallach, Dr. Wallach says that uh, we lost a lot of mineral in our food system when the burning of wood went away. And I also feel that we lost a lot of uh, cultured foods at the same time, uh, I remember grandma on our basement, we had a 30 gallon uh, ceramic crock down there and she would get that full of uh, sauerkraut every year. Mm -hmm. um, so when refrigeration came in, I think a lot of those arts uh, went to the wayside and I think that promoted a lot of good gut health. Oh, absolutely. You know, undoubtedly, the things that we have done along the way have brought us to where we are today which is a population with unhealthy digestive systems. And yes, to your point, exactly. We don't eat fermented foods anymore. You know, when you talk to people about fermented foods, unless there's someone who has gotten on board with the fermented food revolution, if you will, they don't even know what fermented foods are. What do you mean fermented foods? What does that mean? You know? And so you're absolutely right. We have unfortunately ruined ourselves, sadly enough. Hey, Doc, um, Mark S. in the chat has a question. Can probiotics ever have a negative effect? Really, the only, the only negative effects and the only things to think about when you're taking probiotics, number one, the first negative effect, and it's really not a negative effect. Again, it's cleaning out the system. But the negative effect seems to be too many bowel movements or perhaps diarrhea. Loose, 
Yeah. That seems to be a negative effect. But again, it's not truly a negative effect. Yeah. The other thing is, if you're taking a probiotic complex that has only two or three strains of probiotic, and you are consistently taking that every day, a couple of times a day, what can happen is what we call mono inoculation, mm -hmm. meaning your gut becomes so overpopulated with those two or three different strains of probiotic that nothing else grows. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of the nightly essence. Right. And one of the reasons why I say do the nightly essence in large doses during the 20 day protocol. And once you're done, yes, you should continue to take that probiotic, but don't take it in large doses. And for the most part, when I work with people, I tell them, oh, take a couple on Monday, take a couple again on Thursday, but overdoing it can mono inoculate, meaning you will have too much of a certain probiotic. Okay. And that's where people can get into trouble. And that's where I would say, yes, they can have a negative impact. Okay. Great. Okay. Thanks. Great. I usually um, eat once a day also, and I have my kimchi, nice uh, big bite or two, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. as I'm preparing the meal so it can prepare my microbiome, right? Yep. 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 So that works for me. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great way to go. Hello, Joanne. Hi there. Hi. When you were talking with Dennis about, you know, good things, uh, I'm probably you probably brought up to them that fluoride was not good and how did they take that if you did bring that up to them and or what's a good way to uh tell our dentists let them know about fluoride because they seem to be so uh indoctrinated in it but mm. yeah okay so in answer to your question it mm. is not a topic i discuss when i do those lectures oh i don't want to <laughs> I don't want to get into a real controversy trying to teach them. Yeah, I do. When I talk about fluoride, I just kind of brush over it. I say that, especially when we look at our water supply and talk about the heterotrophic bacteria in the water supply, I don't care if you chlorinate it, fluoridate it, whatever you do, it's not going to kill those bacteria. But I have not had that conversation and this is one of the things that I am working on. How do you approach a group of people who are so indoctrinated that they think fluoride is the end all be all and tell them they shouldn't be using fluoride? How do you take a group of people that are so indoctrinated and have always used mercury amalgam? How do you tell them that mercury amalgam is dangerous and it's killing us? So I'm not there yet, Joan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I have, They're not I have, there yet. <laughs> well, that's right. They're not there yet. But I have not. I have to figure out. In fact, what I'm going to do, and this is the way I'm going to approach it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start to introduce the conversation saying, you may have clients who come to you who tell you that they're concerned about fluoride. And let's consider what else we can do. And that's how I'm going to start that conversation. I just haven't done it yet because, you know, so many of them, it, 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 if, if you don't have fluoride, then life isn't good. I mean, if you don't have a fluoride treatment, 
when you go to see the dentist or if you don't use a fluoride tooth toothpaste then you're doing your body harm when we know it's just the opposite is true if you're using fluoride and if you're having those fluoride treatments that's when you're doing your body harm could you tell them that the I wouldn't say that it's an alternative, but I will tell you that when I did the lecture this last time, it was fascinating because, you know, when I do these lectures, as a general rule, I have roughly 50 people on each lecture. I do several different lectures. When I did this lecture this last time, I had 90 people on. And when I started to talk about the oral probiotics, they were blown away. Most of them didn't even know there was such a thing as oral probiotics. I did not say that they could be used as a replacement for fluoride or, you know, if considering fluoride, perhaps do probiotics instead. I did not say that. And, you know, and again, a little, a little bit of that is, I don't get into a real controversial issue, but you bring up a very good point. And this is something that I do need to start to say. And so I will work into the conversation that, consideration of a good oral probiotic pro program may be just as beneficial for these people as fluoride treatments. But, but you know, you're talking, you're talking to a group of people. It's just like talking to a medical doctor and telling them, you know, make sure that when you give that antibiotic, you're giving a probiotic. They're like, what? You know, I mean, they just don't understand it. It's not in their paradigm. Okay. And so you're talking about a group of people who, this is what they do. This is how they make their money. This is a part of their world. Fluoride is a part of their world. Mercury amalgam is a part of their world. And, you know, I've learned a lot doing this research, but if you have mercury amalgam fillings and you make the decision, you want to have those fillings removed, you can't just go to a dentist and do that. You need to go to a biological dentist or a functional dentist someone who knows how to safely remove the mercury amalgam because removing the mercury amalgam will yield a lot of the mercury molecules in the air and you'll be breathing in the mercury all the time. They're trying to remove the mercury from your teeth, which is just as detrimental, if not worse. So, so you're right. I need to do it. I just have to be very careful about how I approach it and not anger a bunch of people. So... Right. Dr. Conway, if I may. Sure. Okay. So I, I, I heard a, a documentary, incredible documentary years ago. I think Alex Jones may have made it. He's in it. Um, Dr. Group is in it. Laura Presley from uh, Fluoride Free Austin is in it. There's a lot of great people in it. And it is the best, probably most comprehensive uh, documentary about fluoride, hydrofluorosilicic acid. Um, and how it's made and, and how they've been putting her in Florida and, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan, the first city in America that in 1945 was their test city with fluoride. And uh, GovernAmerica.com is the platform. He's got a radio show every day and he played that. Uh, he plays these documentaries on the weekends and he just played that one. And I know it's on his website. If you want to go there, GovernAmerica.com. Uh, you'll find it there. I, um, I, you know, I don't know who made it. I think Alex Jones did because I know I heard it years ago. But it, what a great refresher! 
my God, the the poisoning they've been doing to the people, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So I'll yield there. Yeah, that links in the chat. Uh, But I wanted to say about, um, you know, fluoride, it's got all kind of stuff in there when they put it in the water. It's not just fluoride. Right. You know, all kind of pollutants. And there's also an article in there I'd like you to take and check out sometime, too, if you want to. The um, Republic Broadcasting article in there, Chloramine. And that is the case that municipalities have been told to add ammonia to chlorinated water. And we know this is poisonous gas, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they've been required to since 89 they started it. John Holdren was a big part of that. Uh, this article was done by Dr. Uh, Wynn Parker. And, uh, you know, it's it been all over the place and nominated for prizes and translated several languages. But... So this is in our water. And then in 98, they started fining municipalities $10,000 every time that they found they hadn't added ammonia to the drinking water, public drinking public water, whether you're drinking it or not. Doesn't it give you all the confidence you need in our government? Oh, really? You know, I mean, it's just another little window into what's really going on. Exactly. But that dislodges all the junk in the pipes as well. You know, they're again mm-hmm. like fluoride with all the other stuff. But, uh, you know, we always hear how elderly people usually, it's pneumonia that takes them out. Well, if you have in the hot water in your shower, <laughs> chloramine, you're gassing yourself. So mm-hmm. it shortens lives, basically. So there you go. And there have been studies that have shown that if you take a shower and your water is chlorinated, you kill off as many gut bacteria taking that shower as you do if you drink an eight ounce glass of tap water that's chlorinated. Yeah. So I add ammonia to it and it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there you go. So double, you double, double plus good. <laughs> as they double say in 1984, double plus good, right? I have well water and I am so thankful that I do. Likewise. Yeah, it was a new well they put in here. Yeah, Doctor? Yes. I wanted to know how you feel about um, taking betadine HCL and pepsin with meals. You mean well, betaine HCL? Okay. In the um, Ultimate Enzymes, we have the betaine hydrochloride. Okay. And I do think that it's very important. I think that both of those things, again, help to support the digestion of the food that we take in. I was originally turned turned on that to that by Dr. Bob Marshall, who has, who had he's passed. Uh, uh, he, he was a PhD in nutrition, forty years, and he started a company down in in Austin called Quantum Nutrition Labs, and he used to have a radio show. I called in one day because he's got hundreds of supplements and different things he sells, and I asked him if you had a budget and you only had a could buy one of your supplements, which would it be? And he said the betadine, HCL, and pepsin. Yeah, it's betaine hydrochloride, betaine HCL, and right. pepsin. Yep. Mm-hmm. And again, so because they are both critically important in helping the body to break down foods. When, doctor, when I first started using it, um, my teeth to the touch of the tongue were nice and smooth. And after all, I was in there for, oh, probably about a month, maybe a little bit more. I started to feel the teeth were getting rough. 
And after a while, it all the plaque that was actually on my teeth, that was this nice, smooth thing, all started breaking down and turning into chunks and falling off of my teeth. Wow. Interesting. Blew me away. Yeah, <laughs> and for sure. I, it cut down on my teeth cleanings greatly. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Joanne. Yes. Do, do the oral pro probiotics help with the with the gut probiotics as well? No, you mean meaning could you use one instead of the other? Well, I mean I want to use both kinds, but I'm just wondering if when you're um, dissolving the oral probiotic in your mouth, does it do some of those good probiotics go to the gut Absolutely. And, help, and help the gut? I'm not sure how much help they are. They are a different class of probiotic. They're a different type of probiotic. Oh, okay. But I'm going to tell you that they're not going to be harmful. So, right. yeah. And, you know, just like anything else, it's in the mouth. It's going to go down into the gut. You want it to be beneficial if possible. And, you know, the other question that people often ask me was, uh, will be, can I just use my nightly essence? Can I open the capsule? And maybe just open the capsule into my mouth and use my nightly essence as my probiotic. And the answer is no, because the strains of probiotic are different. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, I just wanted to add one other thing about the fluoride. Uh, two or three months ago, a couple of my teeth around some crowns in the back, I mean, was so sensitive and hurting so bad, I couldn't stand a brush or put anything back there. Of course, I went to my dentist because I wanted to make sure the it wasn't leaking under the crown or something. But he, after his checking me and examining, he said, no, he said, I don't, I think it's all good. You know, you just need to use, he prescribed me some fluoride gel and just to put that on a Q-tip and put around that area. Of course, don't swallow it or anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I just, I was really scared to do that, <laughs> but I, I was hurting so bad. I thought, okay, I'll do it. And he told me he had done that himself. He had had uh, a year or so ago and he said, I did that and it really helped mine. Just do it for a few days. So I did it and tried not to swallow any of it and all. And I have to say it did help that severe sensitivity to go away. But mm -hmm. do you have any other suggestions? What would help? I would say the oral probiotics. Oral probiotics. Okay. And mostly, mostly because there have been, again, so many testimonials out there with people who have used the oral probiotics who have seen their bleeding gums go away. The plaque gets cleaned out their teeth. It's just, they, they go on and on and on about the power and the benefits mm. of using oral probiotics. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend. Okay. Sounds great. And yeah, we use uh, unfluorinated toothpaste we have for a couple yep. of years now. Yep. Yeah. And I had one other question and this isn't about fluoride, but just about my gut issues and my sensitivity and stuff with foods and all. The last oh year or so, I would say it's been worse, like um, smells, like I can't hardly stand any, you know, if uh, air freshener or perfumes or 
any type of smell of a smoke or anything and it's like it just goes to my tongue and i can just taste it mm -hmm. is yeah, that and liver being toxic or <laughs> well that's that's part of general toxicity and what i tell people is a lot of what's going to help that would be like the 20-day protocol because the 20-day protocol is going to actually help to reestablish the good balance, mm -hmm. which will help your body to detox more. Now, the product that I absolutely love for liver is the Prohoba Ultimate Daily Liver Formula. And I love that product because of the fact that it actually helps to support healthy liver function, helps to support cleaning off the liver and getting rid of toxins. Mm -hmm. Now, that product is in my opinion, very powerful. And what I recommend for people is when you start to use that product, you do one tablet once a day for the first couple of days and see how your body responds. Mm. Then do one in the morning, one in the afternoon and see how your body responds. Do that for a couple of days and progressively get up to two and two. Now, the reason why I am such a stickler for this is because I remember the very first time I ever took the product I took two of them. I was on my way out, out to work at night. I took two of them. I went to work and within about an hour, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I just, I felt awful. I felt like I was coming down with the flu. I just didn't feel well. And I'm like, this is crazy. I've had enough sleep. I haven't been anywhere to pick up any bugs. What is going on? And it dawned on me that I had taken those two tablets I immediately drank a pollen burst followed by another quart of water. And within no time I was fine, yeah. but it was a real fine. indicator that yeah. it was cleaning me, cleaning my liver. Yeah. Yeah. It was really detoxing me fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Huh. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's like, I just, and I've been trying to do all type of detoxing things. Like I say, extra probiotics, eating clean, all this stuff. And then it's just crazy how spices or, or any, any type of smells just like, Oh, it's burning my tongue. Mm -hmm. Well, focus a little bit more on the liver. That's one product that I think is really good for focusing on the liver. The other one that I like is the detox tea in the true to life line. And that detox tree actually works on several detox pathways. It actually helps to clean up the liver. It'll also help to clean out the colon. Some people like me, for example, I can't do two days in a row of that detox tea or I can't get off the pot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just have to be really careful, but I know it's working because of what okay. it's doing. Okay. So that's another good product to help with detox. And that Pro Jim's probably got that, that he'll put us a link that pro, what was it? The first one you said, the pro the Prohoba ultimate daily liver formula. Daily liver. I'm looking for okay. it here. Daily liver. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again. Mate. Just, You're very welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, something, something else I observed, you know, I, I grew up, I think I was born one year after we got electricity on the farm in the Midwest in Wisconsin, and we really made all of our food. And it's, mm. this goes to cleanliness. Um, there, were, there were no such things as stainless steel cuttingware 
There were no stainless steel countertops. The weed butcher on wood and things of that nature. The sausage equipment was galvanized just so it wouldn't rust. Um, and I remember them turning animal intestines inside out for the casings of sausage, etc. All this is done in this climate where I think the only true soap we had was lye soap uh, for cleaning up and around things. Um, but nobody ever got sick or a problem. And I think some of those healthy bacteria were getting in and being part of that process. Of course, oh, without a doubt. Of course, the sausages did get smoked, so they were probably sterilized by that. Probably, but, you know, it, historically through the years, we know that most kids raised on a farm are healthier kids. <laughs> they're just healthier because they're exposed to so much more. But again, when you stop and think about it, you put those things that you just talked about, they're no longer a part of us. And instead, what we're doing is we're using antibacterial hand soap and bath soap and dish soap, and we're killing off all the good healthy bacteria. We are destroying the healthy bacteria in the gut. We are destroying the healthy bacteria in our mouths. We're destroying. When you start to talk about all of those things that are happening to us as a result of what we have gotten rid of and what has actually been introduced into the food supply, is it any wonder we have so many sick people? Yeah, it's, it's all part of it. And unfortunately, as the as the farm got more sophisticated and was listening to the University of Wisconsin agriculture experts, they started bringing in things like DDT and 2,4-D and that kind of crap onto the farm. Mm -hmm. And it's it's everybody's worried about dioxin these days because of the train. Yet 2,4-D is sold in 1,500 different products across this country. And it, Roundup is a big one. You see people all over their yard spraying Roundup, killing, you know, everything. Killing everything. Yeah. <laughs> Not only, Not the only food, but they're killing their pets. They're killing themselves. They're, you know, they don't know it, but that's what's Wild happening. birds, everybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. when you brought up natokinase, kinase, and probably everyone here knows that that is fermented soybeans, right? Mm-hmm. And the way they found out about it was uh, the Japanese eat that for breakfast, fermented soybeans, mm-hmm. almost every day. And so you really need to have that on an empty stomach. That's your K2. So if you're taking a lot of D3, that needs to be taken after a meal because it's fat-soluble, right? Right. Mm-hmm. A lot to be said for all those things. So I know we're closing in on the time. Yeah, we've only got about 30 seconds or about a minute left. So wrap it up with anything else you want to say, Doc. Um, One of the things that came up in the chat was talking about not enough stomach acid. And, you know, one of the things that I like to say about that is, you know, poor, poor Brenda. I think it was Brenda that was on um, Mm -hmm. a proton pump inhibitor. When we look at the antacids, we look at antacid medications. They neutralize the acid. We look at H2 blockers. They block the production of most of the acid. When we look at proton pump inhibitors, they knock out 90% of acid production. Acid is necessary to break down the initial bonds of protein and make sure that we actually can break down and assimilate from our food the things we need, like B vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, those kinds of things. When we start 
neutralizing the stomach acid or we don't have enough stomach acid, we can't get from our food what the body needs. So always make sure that you're salting your food from time to time and make sure you're taking a good digestive enzyme. Bingo. And with that, we are pretty much out of time. So I want to thank Dr. Conway for being here with us and uh, sharing her wisdom and knowledge. And uh, for everybody else that's been here as well with the great questions and all the concerns, thanks so much for being here. And always <clears throat> take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And we will see you all tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Take care and God bless. Yeah, thanks, Dr. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you.